Kia ora, fit like, and welcome into the Fourth and Forever podcast. My name is Stuart Bothwell, and would you look at that? The prodigal son returns. Darren's back. Darren! How's it going, Darren? It's all right. How are you? I'm all right. I'm also just excited to have you back. Oh, thank you. You've just been like away hibernating, waiting for the return of the NFL. That's what you've been doing, or you've been just reading up all, and all of the news and all of the stats, being hyper-prepared for this very podcast. Yeah, I'm so prepared for this. Yeah, <laughs> sure you are, Darren. Do you even know what sport we're talking about today? Oh, you the irony of us talking about NFL on a day that Gareth Bale signs for Spurs and the Clippers just bottled the game against the Nuggets in the NBA Western Conference. There is so much going on, Stuart. Please. I have no idea what you're talking about in any of these things because they're completely pointless to me since they're not the NFL. Although I'm going to have to talk to you about the Gareth Bale thing later on, I'm sure, actually, because uh, I didn't even know that had happened. Anyway, uh, yeah, welcome back, man. Good good to have you back. It was very difficult me doing it on my own for a while. Or, I mean, I, I did have the offer of uh, getting in touch with my dad again, who was very helpful during his, uh, his podcast that he helped get through. Uh, obviously, we have mentioned that we're planning on doing a different format today, though, so... Um, we will finally get around to that just now. So the way we are... Okay, Darren's showing me the Gareth Bale thing. I said, later, Darren. Later. No Gareth Bale talk right now. He means nothing to me until I have talked about every single NFL game in one way or another. So the way we're going to work that is that we are going to power through the results of this week's games with a series of short, snappy note recaps, perhaps with a little retort from Darren here and there. And before then, we will hit some, sorry, and then after that, we will hit some news and then just kind of yarn it out afterwards, I guess. Uh, the yarning is fully dependent on whether or not Darren has bothered his arse into actually thinking some stuff up to talk about, because I've done all the other legwork. So, so just hit it, Darren? Yes. Okay. Let's just jump right on in. So, the very first game of the NFL season kicked off last Thursday, which seems like a lifetime away now. As the Kansas City Chiefs uh, like romped all over the Houston Texans, uh, 34-20 was a bit flattering. Uh, so, in truth, it was KC all the way. Defending champs were just streets ahead of the Texans on both sides of the ball. Uh, they just looked very, very comfortable. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked excellent out of the box. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes didn't seem to do anything and still got three touchdowns. Deshaun Watson tried his best to get things going, but he was totally let down time after time by his teammates on drops and poor blocking assignments. It just seemed like it wasn't their day. It might even be their season. Yeah, they weren't very good. Um, I think they were saying, there was something that said that DeAndre Hopkins had more catches than the whole of the wide receiving core in this game for the Texans. That's entirely possible because, uh, as I'll mention later, DeAndre Hopkins had 14 receptions in that game. Now, of course, it has to be said that David Johnson went the other way and he looked pretty good for the Texans. He in looked this fast. One. Yeah. He looked, he looked strong again. He looked um, confident. So, But it's not the same, is it? We don't know what the Texans are doing. Um, obviously, Cooks has a bit of an niggle, wasn't as much of a threat on the mm -hmm. deep side of things. But none of the teams in the first week of the season are really going that deep or going deep very often. So. Yeah, maybe this this game against the Chiefs just doesn't didn't fit for the Texans. Maybe mm. it's just a bad time to play, but they've got a really hard game next week as well. So 
The oh. NFL scheduling gods have not been good on Deshaun and the Chiefs this year. They could be 0-3 quite easily. Yeah, the, the, the Texans have a really brutal schedule where they're basically just going against teams that didn't lose last season. Bit of a nightmare for them. Uh, Casey looked really good on both sides of the ball, though. It wasn't just on the offense. The yeah. defense really looks like it's come on a bit from last season. Of course, with this being game one, you never really can tell, but it, it does really look very promising. Like I say, those 20 points that Houston got... Uh, they scored most of those in the fourth quarter in garbage time, so that's maybe a little bit of a uh, just not quite accurate reflection of the actual game itself. Yeah, um, the Chiefs, you know, I don't want to say so much about Tron Matthew going into his old team. It's just such a strong player, and and then you go with Chris Jones and Frank Clark as well. Like they're not the strongest; their secondary's not quite there. Like they're playing rookies at. On a cornerback at times, but you know this is such a strong team, and they, all they need to do is get one interception here or there. It's like the whole NFL thing these days is stealing possessions because mm. the offenses are so strong. So as long as this defense can steal a couple of possessions for Mahomes and Co on the other end, they're gonna probably romp this season. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if they're like fourteen or fifteen wins. Yeah. Uh, we'll maybe come back to um, my, my thoughts uh, later on on which, <laughs> like how we think each team's first result uh, actually reflects upon how their season's going to go, whether or not we believe that or not. So we'll come back onto that one later on. Anyway, we did say we would try and power through this, so uh, let's see if we can get on with the next one. Uh, the next one on our list is the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the New York Giants. So the Steelers overcame an early deficit. Uh, uh, managed to stretch things out in the second half. Uh, Big Ben got back to where he was prior to his injury with a 3-TD day. Saquon Barkley, on the Giants' side of things, looked good in the receiving stat sheet. He was hurdling players left, right and centre. But when he was actually coming out of the backfield, uh, he was running backwards more often than not through the day. And I think he ended up with something like 6 yards on 16 carries, which I believe is about the second worst... Uh, ratio for a running back has had more than uh, 15 carries in the game since the mid to late 90s with uh, Denver Broncos running back who I can't remember it wasn't TD or anyone but um, anyway so, yeah like it was not good to say the least but I have to say that despite the fact that he made a few mistakes here and there I can really see something in Danny Dimes yeah starting to look a bit like he's got it it's a really tall skinny Eli at times he does look like he um control the offense um yeah on saquon i didn't pay i did watch this parts of this game but did they is it the line like because it's two coaches now because I, I had him in fantasy last year there's a game where he had like minus one and a half yards against cowboys <clears throat> well so is it is it the the line doesn't isn't good at running or is it him missing blocks or i think in this case it was uh, you, you probably can't put too much on that offensive line of the Giants. You can put plenty on them, but not too much because that Steelers defensive line and the linebacking core Hayward, was absolutely yeah. smashing it. Cam Hayward was crazy. Bud Dupree was playing very well. TJ Watt came through on a, on an interception uh, after like dropping back into coverage, which really surprised Danny Dimes. But um, yeah, they were really throwing the kitchen sink at the Giants in this one. And uh, they, they just have these fantastic run stuffers uh, who just sniffed everything out. Just They were already in the backfield before Saquon was getting the ball a lot of the time. There was very little he could do. 
he was trying to escape, going all, all these lateral movements, but um, it just wasn't working out for him because the Steelers are just too good at knowing where he was going and making the tackle. Yeah, well, that's fair. It's good to see um, you know James James Connor playing. Uh, some really fun moments from Chase Claypool. This Steelers team could be good. It's all dependent on Big Ben's attitude and how he mm. sees a game going because they're so dependent on him because mm. um, they don't have the best running core. Well, I so mean... They, do, they are relying quite heavily on Ben yeah. to make throws to those wide receivers. Well, J- James Conner did go out with an injury, um, which might keep him out for a little while, but he's not looking too bad. He will still be coming back. But Benny Snell Jr. did look pretty good. He was um, like really making a mockery of some of the, the Giants defensive players. Uh, I think he managed to get himself over 100 yards in the ground on the day. Um, but I certainly agree that this team will probably go as far as Big Ben can carry them. Uh, I think that the wide receiving core is is good enough. Uh, Chase Claypool did show some flashes. James Washington showed up in a big spot again. Uh, and of course, you got Juju uh, is actually not just making big catches, but at one point there was a fumble from Benny Snell. He came back in and like was chasing it down. Uh, and if it weren't for him, this game could have gone an entirely different way from that point. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's the Steelers and the Giants. We yes. Can, we can move on. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> cool. So we can move on uh, to the Tennessee Titans overcoming the Denver Broncos with seconds to spare in a game that we watched in full. And it was crazy. Uh, Thanks, De- Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Denver showed flashes of what they could be despite a number of injuries. They were missing the likes of Cortland Sutton. AJ Bouye went out. It was a bit of a mess. Uh, so, and, and, of course, the entire offense is really, really young. The, the average age of the entire team is 25 years old, which is ridiculous. Um, There's a few key drops, and a lack of answers on the outside was probably the Broncos' downfall. But Stephen Goskowski missed three field goals and an extra point, but came up big in the biggest spot with 20 seconds to go after they should have had a go-ahead touchdown to A.J. Brown in the back of the end zone to really seal it off. Um, Vic Fangio made a right mess of the clock management there and should definitely have called a timeout at very least after Derrick Henry's 13-yard run for a, for a first down. It was just a real mess, man. Yeah. Um, Goskowski was weird. I don't know if he can really explain it. Um, if he'd, have he'd only been signed 11 days prior after coming back from hip surgery. Come on. Yeah, I... I he was walking around at the end of the game like it was his last ever game. He was like shaking hands with all the stewards and all everyone that was there, like he thought that, that was it. Well, but, a bad idea. They might have like you know, yeah, know COVID relations. Well, is... He was talking to everyone, but Vrabel pretty much straight away said that they believe in him and they're gonna give him another go. So, um, I think both teams looked really blunt at times. Um, but yeah, I just don't know. This game was, it was all right. The the clock management though, it was like as it was happening. It's just like it can't happen again to the Broncos. And I I, I said like as soon as that happened, well like when the Broncos went up, and then you just saw the Titans take that methodical march. I think from the very moment that the Broncos even scored, I was like, Gosh, Kowski's going to win this for them, isn't he? We just we just knew it was coming. Like after everything else that had happened, it was it was written. Um, would you call it an underdog story? I wouldn't quite go that far, but um, yeah, like the the Broncos, like again, I think they showed flashes. For me, 
someone who really stood out, despite the fact he was the main culprit on the drops, Jerry Judy. What a freak. Um, he is just going to be an ankle breaker in this league. He just moves so, so well and gets open out of the slots so quick. It, it seems such like, a weapon. It seems like he can't... He's moving at NFL speed, but I don't think he realises he is. Like he, he seems to be overthinking the next step as he's catching the ball. So mm. you'll like duke a player perfectly get free but then he's already thinking about the next player yeah I think, instead of yeah. catching the ball and i think because you at college he had time to do that because mm. he's not it's not as fast you know the game's not moving as quickly so mm. he's just like okay i beat this man i can i'll just catch this easy pass but the ball was coming in faster there's more players around there will be more noise yeah. Um. And he just seemed to be kind of fun, like just in his fingers, like just trying to run before he's. Well, like he was, he was looking away. Like the the ball would be at his hands, and he'd be looking away. I don't know why I'm trying to show that to the the listeners right now. It's good for me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good for you. <laughs> but so like, it, it seemed to me as if he was excited to make his mark because he knew that he could really do some damage. And had he caught that one in the in the fourth quarter across the middle, this game could have been iced. Like yeah. Broncos could have had a had a field goal, which would have forced Tennessee to actually go and score a touchdown rather than going for one themselves. It just it would have been completely different. But them's the breaks. Broncos fall to zero and one, and the Tennessee Titans rule on. I think for the the Broncos, the with this game, it's just okay. Move on to next week. We can get too many injuries. Yeah, hopefully AJ Bowie is okay, and mm. you know. Just go again. Yeah, cause... we were pretty thin at cornerback. We ended up um, rolling out two rookie corners, um, one of which was undrafted uh, in this one against the likes of AJ Brown, and you're expecting them to cover Johnny Smith and stuff. It's it's difficult. Um, yeah, it wasn't ideal. I was pretty sad, but uh, I, I I'm still optimistic that this team can go somewhere. Could be worse. Mm, yeah, it, it it could be worse. Uh, yeah, remains to be seen uh, is probably what my opinion is. Um, <laughs> now, my, my opinion on the next game was very wrong, as I believe it would have been for the majority of pundits who probably had this down as a safe win for the other team. But Washington stunned Philadelphia, a 17-point lead wiped out by the Washington football team uh, as uh, they, they overcame Philadelphia 27-17. The Washington defense was absolutely monstrous in this game with over 30 pressures. 30 pressures, Darren. Most teams have like maybe about 200 or something like that through the course of a season. So that's that's a ridiculous amount. Chase Young was dominant, utilizing a number of his moves uh, on, on his way to one and a half, maybe two sacks and a forced fumble, maybe even two forced fumbles if you count it in a particular way and just generally crushing everyone around him. Um, the Eagles had no excuses on their wide receiving core this time, but that O-line definitely looked uh, like it was being manhandled by Washington at times. Yeah, an O-line which is severely depleted mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, but you, know, you can't can't argue it too much. It's like Jonathan Allen, Fabian Moreau, like Jimmy Moore, like Landon Collins is here, Kerrigan. Like this is considering people were expecting Washington not to not be that great. They are quite on defense. They're quite a veteran group. Yeah, they definitely have the greatest disparity between what you expect out of an offense and what you expect out of the defense. Yeah, um, yeah, like that that front seven in particular is is pretty strong. And then you have do you have Landon Collins at the back there? The cornerbacks are maybe a little bit on the weaker side, 
But if you're getting so much pressure coming up the middle and around the outside of the, the offensive line, then that makes life a hell of a lot easier for your cornerbacks because they don't have to be expecting the ball to even come out their way a lot of the time. Yeah, we can talk about Washington being, you know, better than expected, you know, Terry McLaurin getting some big plays and um, Antonio Gibson showing up. Uh, Philadelphia, though, 17-0 up going into the fourth quarter. you gotta, you got to see those games out. Like, no matter what Washington do or the the chats they have at halftime or what's happening with a coach, you can't be losing these games. In your division, especially. Yeah, no, um, it's a, a, a big, big mess, effectively. It just, it's just a, a real surprise. You, th- you thought that they were, they were cruising. I, actually, you probably thought that they should have been making something more of it. But, um, yeah, they, they just didn't. Like, they were never allowed to feel comfortable by that, that Washington defense. Um, and But by the, they, they weren't 17 nothing up going into the fourth quarter. Washington did score in the second and the third, but it was 13 unanswered. Sorry, it was 13 points in the fourth quarter. But Philadelphia didn't score anything in the second half, definitely. Yeah. It was just, just a, a real mess. Uh, and Carson Wentz was really made to pay. He had uh, two interceptions on the day. About about fifty percent of his passing, the, the running backs did next to nothing either. Uh, D- Dallas Goddard came up in a pretty big spot. He looked looked pretty good. Um, there was some talk about a bit of a bust up with Zach Ertz and the general manager, but I haven't really heard anything else about that. But um, yeah, Washington had eight sacks in this game, and uh, like yeah, it was just a surprise, <laughs> I would say. Just a little bit. But like now, I mean, again, we'll come back to this later on about what we think about all of these teams. But uh, people are going to have to take Washington seriously. And I don't think they were at the beginning of the season. I know I wasn't. No. Um, we might have to take them seriously. We might not, though. <laughs> of course, because it's only week one and week yeah. one is ridiculous. No idea. And it's the Philadelphia Eagles who, you know, they're just... They're they can be slow. Choke masters extraordinaire. Anyway, um, yeah. that the, the Washington football team came out on top in that one. And in the next one, the New England Patriots came out on top of the Miami Dolphins. So Cam Newton's first game at quarterback for the Patriots. He was kept comfortable in his first game. It's a bunch of short plays, really, and they just let him use his legs whenever he fancied it. He'll have far harder challenges in, in seasons to come, but he, yeah, he, he was very much being asked to play within himself in this one against a Miami team that just had no answers for anything. Fitzpatrick wasn't on his usual week one self, and uh, the, the defense just couldn't quite keep hold of Cam. Yeah, there wasn't really enough pass rush for Cam to really be threatened and was able to get get what he wanted really. Um, it's a lot of uh, play action from the Patriots. They, but then they'd also run from play action and instead of being you know out in the wide areas like the Kansas City and mm. Ravens. They were more down the middle. It was power. They were really trying to bully the Dolphins with Newton, and it and it worked. So it's good to see Newton back. He had some zippy throws, but they don't have any skill players. So <laughs> even if Cam's fully fit, like what? What? Nicole Harry had a really bad fumble. They 
Ryan Izzo was like the only player other than Edelman that seemed to be able to get any separation. It's the same problems they had last year. But maybe Cam, because he's got the legs, can do a bit more than Brady could have done mm. with that. But if, if anyone can make a success of a team that has no weapons, it's Bill Belichick. He, he knows how to 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 plan this stuff out. Like He, he turned likes of Dion Branch and, uh, and Troy Brown into pro bowlers. Um, and multiple Super Bowl champions. It's it's entirely possible that they could still figure something out from whoever else is they have out there and Julian Edelman. Yeah. I, I was impressed with their defense, which um for the Patriots, even that you know, they have lost a lot of players due to opting out um mm-hmm. for the season and people just weren't sure what they were gonna get. But, you know, they got three interceptions and key moments and one of them was in the red zone. Yeah. Um and Gilmore just looked dominant against Parker. Yeah, who's been good. A little so. bit of revenge for the uh, end of season uh, finale last season, uh, where the Miami Dolphins effectively resigned the Patriots to uh, to no home playoff berth, which was fantastic. Yeah, that will live long in my memory. But I digress. Um, yeah, it was it was comfortable for the Patriots. Like I say, they played within themselves uh, on on offense. Defense came up as big as they needed to against a Miami team that was just relatively anemic across the board. Um, I, I don't I don't think this will be the last we hear of Miami effectively, but um, the, like, yeah, they they just did not show up in this one. First game of the season, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna judge their season on beating the Patriots away. No. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Miami Dolphins didn't show up, but someone who did show up... Sorry, I'll just say it was uh, 21-11 was the final score. Someone who did show up, though, was A-Rod. Aaron Rodgers looked a lot like the 2011 Aaron Rodgers of old. Uh, at the 2.3 average time to release, he was quick, and he was hitting guys all over the place. Of course, he was doing so against a Vikings team with all sorts of problems at corner and defensive line. Minnesota really flattered themselves with garbage time scores and came out of this one uh, with the Green Bay Packers at 43 points to 34. Like, uh, it just looked sharp, but as I was saying previously, I do not like those defensive backs in Minnesota. They're too too young and all over the place, and the defensive line, even missing Daniel Hunter, oh, it was was nasty. So would you say that the the Packers won two of Rodgers and... Adams is the best in the league for the connection. In in fantasy terms or <laughs> just in NFL, especially if Mike which we'll probably get to, considering Thomas can be out for a while. If if Aaron Rodgers is back to what it was like in twenty eleven, then absolutely. Absolutely. But I d I don't know, there's a few other combinations out there who I would say are perhaps, you know better as a whole. Like Devante Adams is top five in the league. But I don't know who would I put down as my my number one two. I mean, like plenty could be said for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Not on the touchdowns, though. yeah. Not in the red zone, yeah. In, in in red zone, it's different. Or you got Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Uh, you could say Michael Thomas, maybe. I don't know. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins might be going that way. But yeah, I think maybe the more I think about it. Possibly the best uh, quarterback to wide receiving combination in the league, but I still need to have it proved to me against a team other than Minnesota is effectively my way of looking at it, because I I, I thought that the Vikings were a, a bit of a pushover on defense uh, in this game, and again they flattered to deceive by putting up a bunch of garbage time points, 
Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't look great in this one either. He was really struggling. There was... I'm sorry to diss your boy. There was a lot of that um, kind of going around, I think, with um, the way... For the whole... This whole week, if you were to just look at the, the scores, you'd think the games were totally different to what they actually were. Um, lots, of te- lots of teams on defence maybe playing their backups or like not going as hard because it is a weird season. They haven't had an awful lot of practice. It is a bit. And I, know, I just think the Packers look strong. I think adding a fullback and it's just going to help Rodgers and it's really mean to make teams play against Rodgers in an empty stadium <laughs> yeah, the hard count and the control of the line it's just it's going to be interesting to see how that goes this season because like Aaron Rodgers has like famously the best hard count in the league and it works really well in likes of Lambeau Field where everyone would be deathly silent whenever they're on offense but now that you go to other empty stadiums and there's no other sound to, to drown out his his cadence yeah, that's a it's it's a, a secret weapon. That's play music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm a Rogers fan. I love watching him play. He's probably the most, you know, the top, top four most entertaining players to watch in the league. And I just last year was weird for the Packers. Um, and they've won a game here that they weren't really challenged and. That seemed to happen last year as well. So we'll see how they do. But if they play their own division a few times and get results like this, I don't know what it actually says for their title chances because the division isn't. Yeah. The, the, so not, are we saying this could be lining up the Packers to be another uh, weak thirteen and three team again? Yeah. You know, a questionable sort of thing. But they've added. They've added talent, so they might be a bit better than. And it's another year in the system, so they might be better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're going to know how good they are until they play in the really NFC Championship yeah. game. It's going to be that yeah. kind of season again. I think the, the the roster, like on on offense, I feel it has improved. I feel as if they have a bit more of an identity if they continue playing like this. Hmm. So, uh, well, the, the identity was predominantly Aaron Rodgers to Devante Adams. That was 14 receptions for 156 yards and two touchdowns on 17 targets. Uh, MVS came up uh, came up big on a on, on a big uh, like forty five yard touchdown score. Got ninety six yards of his own. It was it was a strong showing. Uh, Aaron Jones was looking good too. On on defense, Jair Alexander, uh, I believe he had an interception as well as a fumble recovery. He was he was looking very good. Um, but on the on the Vikings side of things, he like they, they just didn't look like. Well, actually, first of all, time of possession was about doubled on the Green Bay side of the ball. So they just kept hold of the ball and scored. And the Vikings, like Kirk Cousins only had 25 attempts in this game. So like, like 19 for 25, 259 yards, two TDs and a pick. doesn't look too bad. But they just never got they the opportunity. Never, they were never in the game. Yeah, most of that came came later on when they really had to go for something. Adam Thielen had a, a nice looking stat sheet, 110 yards, two touchdowns, but it's all fantasy points, really. Yeah, it means means nothing effectively. Okay. Yeah, so that's enough of that one. Uh, yep. Yeah, so 43-34 victors were Green Bay, the Indianapolis Colts, who some people had picked as a Super Bowl pick this season, they ended up blowing it against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
20 points to 27. So they totally squandered their chance at victory. The Colts didn't punt once in this game. Rivers threw two interceptions, which were absolutely his fault. But other than that, he had what looked like a pretty nice game, and it looked like he could really move this offense really well. Uh, Gardner Minshew the third is third or is it second? That's no, third, isn't it? Uh, had only one incompletion the entire game. Uh, he, he totally played within himself, and it was all kind of like you know dink and dunk stuff. But uh, he did exactly what he needed to do, and he got the likes of DJ Chark involved. Laviska Chenault got involved with a touchdown as well. Um, he he was just what Gardner Minshew always is, which is tank proof. He's going to make it very difficult for for them to really suck badly enough to go down and get Trevor Lawrence in uh, in the next round, sorry, next year's draft. Yeah, I I like Gardner Minshew. Me too. I think he's as you said, he's just got that kind of fortitude about him where he knows what he wants to do on every play, and he doesn't really seem to waste as the completion say he doesn't he has an opportunity here mm-hmm. and he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to give it up so he's looking at Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and being like I'm already here mm-hmm. who cares you know come, and, just come beat me yeah and he's, he's not toolsy or anything but he's he finds a way to get it done because so I heard um, Talking Heads talking about how is he are we do we underestimate how good he was last year because we were overestimating the like how fun it was? You know, it was like <laughs> is is he actually good? Like this is the second year of it, and this game was very impressive. Like you you mentioned the other day uh, that that Gardner Minshew touchdown against the Broncos where he kind of ran around for ages before finding his receiving target in the back of the end zone. That was one of the best plays of last season. He's he's got it in him. It doesn't have like the rocket arm or anything like that, but he's he's smart and he knows what it is that he needs to do and how he can get the ball away and he can just run about to create that little bit of extra time for himself. He's just he's plucky. That's what he is. He's the plucky underdog that uh, just manages to to escape and he just scampers off and then just just nips it over you. And he's one of those guys who's really really annoying if you ever play him. Like like on on the field somewhere because you're like why how are you beating me, I am so much better than you you should not be that good and he's like well sorry just beat the Colts twenty seven twenty what do you want to do that's well, my take what will the Colts <laughs> do because I think they're going to be okay I think this was it, yeah. it's it's not time to panic I, I think that that offense already looks pretty good but. If Philip Rivers continues to turn the ball over, as he often has, then that's going to be what holds them back. He still gives them a better chance to win most games than the likes of Jacoby Brissett, perhaps. Um, certainly a, a good chance to have a functional offense. Because uh, he's he's got a good offensive line for the first time in his career. Like Surely that can be the thing which will allow him to, to play better. Give him that little bit extra time to go and find his targets. T.Y. Hilton's still looking good. Uh, the tight end situation's not bad either. Uh, and then you've got Michael Pittman Jr., who's uh, like ready to jump in as well. A little bit worried about the other ones. Paris Campbell showed up as well. He looked pretty good. Like There's options there. Uh, at the backfield, um, un- unfortunately, uh, Marlon Mack suffered a uh, season-ending injury. 
So it's now down to Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Jonathan Taylor did look pretty good, pretty explosive. Uh, Hines will get a lot more carries as well, though. Yeah, look, they, this is a, an AFC South game, so big whoop. But Wow, Darren. <laughs> Sorry, AFC South fans out there. We will we will see how it goes. This week it is one. one of the eight divisions in the NFL, Darren. Like it's it's going to count for something. Some one of these teams, at the very least, has to make it to the playoffs. Well, it's it's week one, and the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be, you know, making attempts. Hot take there from Darren Butter. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be making attempts, folks. <laughs> Put that in your diary. Go bet the house. <laughs> They'll be trying to win games against the upper management's wishes, I think is the way it's going to go. Okay, I see. They're, they're, the team that's on the pitch is going to try their best not to suck. Yes. We shall see. They're a young team, not a bad team. Fair enough. Uh, Chicago scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to overcome the shell-shocked Detroit Lions. Matt Prater missed a 55-yard field goal to give the Bears great position for a score. Then Stafford was picked off, and another score came shortly thereafter. Matt Stafford did find DeAndre Swift in the back of the end zone at the death, but the rookie dropped the ball in the end zone to leave them 0-1. So Detroit, for the vast majority of this game, looked like they were very much in control. But Mitchell Trubisky did what he's done every time he's played against the Lions and just owned them uh, when he needed to. Yeah. It's probably the worst thing that could happen for Bears. They should have lost this game 23-0, moved on to falls and been done with it. But but no, Mitch comes back. He looks pretty good. He puts the question in their minds. Oh no, maybe he is the guy. Number two or three games. Um, I... I'm intrigued about the personnel at the end of the game for the Lions, though, because would you not rather have had Kerry on Johnson than as the tailback? I don't know, would you? Is Kerry on Johnson a renowned pass catcher? Yeah, he was pretty good. But does he only Swift only had like three, three catches in the game. He hardly even got to rush. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they were using him as a, um, like a, they weren't expecting him It'd to be an get option, the ball. perhaps, but. It's a pretty bad way to start your um, NFL career for a team that has struggled with rushing mm. forever. Yeah, um, I, I do. I do really quite feel for the Lions in this one. I mean, not just because I, I stupidly picked them to maybe do very well this season, um, but like that just seems like they, they they had it and then they found a way to lose. Um, I, I did appreciate Matt Patricia going up and consoling DeAndre Swift straight away after the game to basically say, like, look, just forget about it, man. Don't worry, it's not your fault. Totally was his fault, by the way. Um, but, yeah, other than that, the Lions looked like they were doing all right. Adrian Peterson, by the way, 14 carries, 93 yards. He is not done yet. Yeah. He is not done yet. Didn't think he was done. Um, defense, for the considering they have a defensive coach, Gotta make some plays. Gotta get get a bit more explosive on the defense for the Lions because it's just they have an offense. Like Stafford can put up MVP numbers in games, and you know, Hawkinson, Amendola, Jones, it's decent core of players to throw the ball to. But mm. yeah, it's like I said, you got to steal possessions. You've got to 
you know, play down the clock, get the ball back so you can run the clock down and get, and end the game and not have this happen because this is bad. And maybe it's just going to be another 3 and 13 season because oh. they just didn't didn't get the luck in the first game. It works so many ways. It can be like, oh, it's week one. Or week one. It's week one. It's, week one. it's week one of a long season or uh, it's week one of a season that we can rebound from. Yeah. So it'll be okay. I mean, the Lions became just the fourth team since 2007 to lose a game, went up by 17 points entering the fourth quarter. And that's, that's been... Uh, I got my games mixed up. What did you, what did you do? The Eagles. Yes? I said the Eagles. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got it, got it, got it. Another another animal. But over that span, since 2007, teams have been 781 to 3. So the Lions were another team that certainly found a way to lose in this one. It was just, just dreadful. Like, how did that happen? Watch the highlights and you'll find out. Did you watch the highlights, Darren? No. Nope. All right, then. <laughs> Won't spend too much more time on this one. But yeah, Trubisky, it was, it was, it was three, three scores um, from him. The, the running attack was all right. They certainly helped. Uh, Anthony Miller looked, looked pretty good as well. He had a, a cracking over-the-shoulder touchdown. Go back and watch that one. That's one of the highlights of the week. Uh, Jimmy Graham also got on the score sheet here, as well as Javon Wims, whoever the hell that is. And uh, the Las Vegas Raiders overcame the Carolina Panthers in a, a crazy back and forth. If you ever want to see two reasonable offenses tear apart two totally unreasonable defenses, then check out the Raiders' 34-30 win over the Panthers. Josh Jacobs was the fantasy darling with three touchdowns on the day. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did his part with two on his side. But uh, towards the end of the game, Derek Carr orchestrated a fine game-winning game winning drive. Uh, and seems to be far happier throwing quite deep now that Henry Ruggs is around. Um, but the Panthers really threw it away at the end on a failed fourth down attempt uh, where they handed off to um, Alex Arma. Woofed. you got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield there. You've been successful throughout the rest of the game. Why are you handing it off to a, an unknown guy who hadn't had a single carry through the rest of the day? I don't know, you've also got Terry Bridgewater, so there could have been a chance yeah. to do some kind of quarterback designed run as quarterback well. Quarterback sneak, draw, like play action fake, play action run, and anything. You can draw something you can draw something up more than just oh just had it to the fullback and he can he, he can finish it up. Yeah, this isn't Madden. Yeah, yeah, it's not how not how it works. Um I've say I did see the highlights of this one. I was actually quite impressed with Bridgewater. Mm. Um, he was able to find um, Curtis Samuel a few times, which no one's been able to do. <laughs> Curtis Samuel still hasn't found himself. Yeah. So, and Robbie Anderson looked pretty clever over the with the deep ball. Yeah, um, six receptions and a buck fourteen for a touchdown. Yeah, I just think if if Teddy Bridgewater's fit, then he's a good quarterback. Like I'm not saying that the Panthers are going to probably you know might be one of the teams that are tanking to change. It's like, no, Bridgewater is can do a job like he played what was he five and one with the, the saints, saints? Yeah. yeah but like i think a lot of that was down to the scheme and the fact that he was in the best roster in the nfl yeah. um he can do a job though i i i'm not as out on the panthers like they're in a hard division they're gonna have a hard schedule but um they put up points the defense though oh yeah i don't even know anyone's names on this defense they got a lot of work to do um they 
well, well like they, they, they've got a whole bunch of new guys here and you've got jeremy chin is new there uh troy pride's a rookie brian burns just from last year kawan short showing up again but very rarely Derek brown got two passes defended just strange enough for an interior defensive lineman um yitzar gross matos was there uh yeah just yeah yeah like the the score speaks for itself. Um, Bridgewater was actually he was twenty two of thirty four for two hundred and sixty nine and a touch. Uh, so God knows where the hell they got all these points from. But um, on on the on the Raiders side of the ball, they they didn't look too handy in, in the in the backfield. Like Josh Jacobs was kind of just like pounding the ball, twenty five carries, ninety three yards, and he got his three touchdowns on the merit of just you know being in the right place at the right time for the most part. Um, Henry Ruggs, three receptions, 55 yards. Carr spread it about a lot here. There was no one who jumps off of the stat sheet here in the receiving core, but oh. it was it was methodical. It was, was like impressed. three receptions, four receptions, or six for Darren Waller. It was just it was mixing up. I was impressed with um, Aguilar's over the shoulder catch for his touchdown. It's not something he's um, and it was his only reception of the game. Usually mm. Aguilar is like a heat check guy who needs to get the ball thrown to him about five times. Before he makes a catch. Eventually, yeah, he'll eventually get there. So, I thought that was impressive. Um, but yeah, the it's week one. I we just don't know. Jason Witten didn't really do very much. Oh yeah, Jason Witten plays. <laughs> <laughs> got two yards for one reception. Nice, I, nice job, Jason. Wait, 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 ten, ten, ten. That was the callback. Wow, every, every, every gone. Um, yeah, Samson never came. Um, Derek Carr's gonna have to keep doing this because I don't think they like him very much. So um, he's gonna have to keep winning games like this and mm. putting up big numbers. But it looked not bad, man. It looked not bad. Yeah. Like with the, with the weapons he's got around him, uh, I, I think he did about as much as he could do there. Like I don't hate Derek Carr. He's he, he's he often gets accused of like once again playing too within himself, but. I think it's good because, like, how can you play out with yourself when you don't really have the weapons out there? But maybe, like, if Henry Ruggs is going to pull them out. Yeah. All right. So, 34-30 to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Buffalo Bills overcame the New York Jets, 27-17. And Josh Allen did it all, as he often does. Two passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and two fumbles. Still, somehow looked rather good value in this one, uh, given how moribund the Jets were. Also, Le'Veon Bell is now out, so Frank Gore gets another bite of the cherry. Thoughts of this one, Darren? I don't have any. Thoughts. I don't have any thoughts on this one. Uh, the Jets are a mess. Um, yeah, um, I thought Zach Moss was quite impressive. Um, I this is the thing with this this whole season. I just thought that the Taking Taylor and um, Swift mm-hmm. ahead of players like Moss um, was just a strange kind of analytics way of looking at running backs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just want the guy that gets a hundred yards in every college game he's ever played in. Yeah, and that's Zach Moss, you know. And um, you know, he got in the end zone. Did he get in the end zone? No, he didn't. <laughs> um, but Josh Allen doesn't use it. They don't use their running backs. In this system, it's like Josh Allen, Josh Allen is the running back, and it's it's kind of like how I feel the Saints would play if they had Taysom Hill as a quarterback. It's kind of like, do we 
trust it. There was a couple of really funny Twitter moments with um, Josh Allen just lobbing the ball 40 yards over everyone's heads when like three players in the end zone were open. <laughs> and, you know, How very Josh. Yeah, I wonder so. if he's progressed any of this <laughs> offseason. Everyone's waiting for it to happen. But, you know, they got um, John Brown and Stefan Diggs involved. Mm-hmm. Smoke, Smoke Brown was looking pretty good. If Buffalo are the team they want to be, this should have been about 45-6. I don't mm. know how it's so close. You know, even if there's garbage time stuff. Yeah, it was mainly just, garbage time stuff. They needed to put up more points. Yeah, Bills got out to a bit of an early lead. Uh, it was uh, 21-3 at the half. Then they just kind of took the foot off the gas. Uh, Josh Allen did get his first ever 300-yard passing game. And it was the first uh, 300-yard passing performance by a Buffalo Bill since... Tyrod Taylor. Nathan Pierman. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor in week 16 of 2016. Nathan Pierman. No, Nathan <laughs> Pierman has still has more interceptions than passing yards for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, also, I've got to mention uh, a little bit of history. Frank Gore surpassed Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, 226, for the third most games played by a running back in NFL history. I'd like to congratulate Frank, jo- Frank Gore Jr. for making his college debut on Saturday. Amazing. Just, this this just goes to show just how old Frank Gore is. <laughs> he transferred to one of the Florida universities so he could play. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's got an 18-year-old son. He's still playing. Nice. Congratulations to both Frank Gore's junior and senior. Uh, Sam Darnold uh, was a very Sam Darnold performance, 21 of 35, 215, a touch and a pick. Remember when they were all excited? I know. <clears throat> Poor Jets fans. Yeah, so sorry for them. Anyway. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not wearing my, my Jets top very often these days, but uh, it's okay. It's Wayne Corbett. It's, it's, it's a classic. It's fine. Um, yep, yeah, so that was not ideal from them. Speaking of not ideal, ew, sorry, Darren, but the Browns truly stunk out the house with their 6-38 to defeat to the Baltimore Ravens. It seemed to be more of the same, but with Stefanski at the helm. The running game did look great, but they had no chance to use it as they fell behind so early and so much. It was all just too simple for Lamar again, as he barely broke a sweat on three touchdown passes. And uh, J.K. Dobbins got on the scoreboard twice to totally ruin my Mark Ingram fantasy picks. He's on both my teams, you know that? Mark Ingram? Yeah, yeah. Oh, how about that? How about that? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so take it away, Darren. Um, haven't really seen much of the brown side of the ball for this one. I watched some of the plays. That... I didn't know there was a brown side of the ball yeah, in this exactly. one. It was pretty one-sided. Look, some of the Lamar stuff, like Lamar is looking ultra impressive. He's just looking unbelievable. And hopefully the Browns can, for the season and for the NFL, can just put this down to, okay, that's the best team, we're, you know, the second best team in the AFC, and they were just firing and there was nothing we could do about it. Um, but there's some some stuff with the way that some of the Browns players are that annoys me. Like the Odell Beckham, there's like three different videos of him breaking free, but then instead of continuing his run and getting like once Baker's set, getting the ball, he kind of gives up on the play because mm. he doesn't get it in time. So there's like a couple of times where he beats the man it's a couple of yards separation, wants the throw, but Baker doesn't get it to him. Yeah. So he stops instead of like... That's just poor route running. It's yeah. poor, just poor discipline. Yeah, and it's like, 
we've got these they've got these stars now um when maybe they'd have been better with like a jerry judy or you know like mm. and starting again um on that side of it because it just doesn't seem to be there but i think it's going to be a process because obviously with signing the fullback and mm-hmm. retaining hunt and making nick chubb a captain there's a clear Stefanski clearly wants to become like a 49ers, yeah, yeah, Rams kind of thing, and that's going to be hard for the Odells and the Landrys and the. And it was not going to work in a game like this where you went behind well, so quick. You can't afford to do it. There, mm-hmm. this Ravens team is already probably the best rushing team in the league, so mm-hmm. it's like, well, you've got to pick your battles. I think so. I, I hope they don't get too down on themselves. There will be games where they'll be much more. Yeah, you know, competitive, but yeah, yeah, it's it's disheartening. It's week it's one, literally, what happened last year mm-hmm. against the Titans. It's the yeah. same thing, except without the expectation. So yeah, to your point, uh, Odell Beckham had three receptions for twenty-two yards on ten targets. Yeah, it's not good. It's very rare you see the double figures there in the target section, and so little in the reception side. Rumors to him maybe being traded. Smoke without fire. I'm not bored anymore. Um, <laughs> look, you look at it, Landry, five receptions off six targets, 61 yards. And Joku's out now. Um, I just think they need to start need to dink and dump. I think it needs to start being a lot more like about Kareem Hunt and about Nick Chubb and less about Landry and Beckham. Like, because they've got it there. Like, if Landry's the captain and he's the one getting the ball... Then, and they've got Richard Higgins. They don't necessarily need mm. Odell if they've got a running game. Yeah, no, I'd say just if you can get a good, like, trade partner for Odell Beckham, like you probably get. I mean, I wouldn't say yeah. you're worth a first rounder anymore. Yeah, second, so, second, second or a third yeah. is something that you could potentially get for him now, uh, and you probably think about taking it. I think that there's too much focus on we have to be getting Odell involved in this game because he's too good an athlete. When was the last time he showed that he was a good athlete? The Jets game last year. Hmm. It was like one game in the season. Yeah, it's, it's it's rare. Like certainly for the sake of an entire season, it's been a while. Um, Lamar Jackson has as many passing touchdowns as incompletions over his last two week one games. That's eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad, is it? He's not... a lad. He is very much a lad. Uh, and the Ravens have won 13 straight regular season games dating back to 2019, which is the longest active streak in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it. I need to be asking any more questions about, about the Ravens. We know that they just look like the real deal. Lamar is uh, a, a freak. His wide receiving core is great. Uh, the tight ends are still really good. Mark Andrews got himself two touchdowns in this one. What more do we need to say on that? Not much. One thing that stands out to me just looking at this is that Calais Campbell patted down four, three passes. <laughs> so like that's what happens when you're eight foot a million. Yeah, and your quarterback is five foot ten, eleven. I don't know. Yeah, Calais Campbell is something that you can't really account for a lot of the time. It's not something you're going to have to go up against on a week in week out basis. But um, if you can't throw over the top of him, maybe try throwing around him or something yeah, like that. If Odell's or, going through the middle then, and he wants the ball, then that's where it's going. Yeah, Stefanski has to recognise things like that. If, if, if Calais Campbell's getting his mitts up in the air all the time, then you've got to say it's someone like Baker. Find another way. 
we're going to scheme up around this way. So just keep out of that cone. Do not look to throw down that area because it clearly was not working for them. Um, in terms of the ravens, I still... I don't know if they're any better. You know, it's like... This is... They're very explosive and maybe they're just going to be a regular season team. I I feel like they're going to run this table. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA. It's like, we don't <laughs> actually know if we're any good until we're challenged. And that might not be until, like, the AFC Championship game this year. Because mm-hmm. I think there's such a clear divide between the Ravens and the Chiefs and everyone else in the AFC. At the moment, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of teams that are they're, they're trying to get there, but they just seem so well-built and so well-drilled from back to front, offense and defense, just, there's just no other competition at the moment. So, yeah. But, of course, on any given Sunday, anything can happen. On a game-to-game basis, anyone can win it. Yeah. Uh, then we will go through to Atlanta, where the Falcons lost out 38-25 to the Seattle Seahawks. The Falcons had over 500 yards of offense in this one and had three receivers over 100 yards. But they struggled to get on the scoreboard, and the defense could just not handle Russell Wilson. Russ truly was allowed to cook in this one as he spread the ball around to nine different receivers and they barely ran in this game, which is a massive change for them. And it proved like it really, really worked out very, very well for them. So is this the Seahawks that we see the rest of the season? Uh, They are impressive. I think think at the moment, you know, Lamar and Russell Wilson... And Mahomes are so far ahead of everyone else in terms mm-hmm. of talent. Russell Wilson, this game, 35 pass attempts, 31 completed, That's four touchdowns. That's not often for him, is He it? doesn't, usually he's at like 20, 18, 19, you know, playing the kind of, pulling it out the hat. Yeah. 31 of 35 is crazy. Like, that's Him getting really to do man. that is, it's really good. And, and there are some really good plays um good touchdowns there chris carson looked really strong in the red mm. zone just bundling through um i think greg olsen's going to be a good red zone threat if uh, threat if his foot stays together mm-hmm. um and tyler lockett's just tyler lockett so i think the seattle seahawks have a great chance in the nfc um on the other side the falcons i i don't know Part of me's like, I like Matt Ryan and he does a lot of good stuff, but is it time for someone like Justin Fields? Ooh. Does this team need Matt Ryan anymore? Ooh. Because he's not done it. Ooh, but he's he's still a very good quarterback. I, I, I don't think, personally, I don't think that Matt Ryan is the problem with that team. Uh, like, yeah. the, the, their offense, they, they still put up all the yards and, yes, they did struggle to finally push it in the end zone. They got two touchdowns from Matt Ryan and, uh, and one from Todd Gurley on his uh, Falcons debut. Um, but it's, it's, it's the defense, man. 25 points isn't bad. It would have given them a shot. And if they weren't so far behind, um, like quite early on, then they would have been able to run this game in a completely different way. That It's just that Falcons defense is garbage. They really are very, very bad. Uh, the only, only decent spots you've got in there is Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett. Uh, other than that, like, like no, no one was really showing up. 
and they, they were just it was a hot knife through butter of this entire game. Uh, usually you'd expect it to be from the Seahawks just ground and pounding and then occasionally throwing with Russell, but this time Russell Wilson just showed just how good he is. And he has been this good at all times. People just haven't let it happen. It's um like the Seahawks are gonna be really, really tough to beat this season. Yeah, yeah, they have a great chance. I think the roster construction is just great. The the defense it just has that one big name that really Jamal Adams was sensational again, by the way. Two tackles Jamal, for a loss, Jamal eight tackles, Adams and a sack. Bobby Wagner. Yeah. They they do on the outside they're pretty you know, they're not necessarily weak, but they're not as strong. But even like I have to say one of the best plays of the weekend was um Marquise Blair's stopping the fourth down mm. conversion and getting the fumble. You know, he just picked it up so quickly and and was able to strip the ball with his helmet and yeah. they went on to score another I think another touchdown there and it really put the game out of sight. Um just just strong. Seattle are strong and um they'll have bigger challenges and the Falcons will have closer games. It's week one. It's week one, Dan. Did you know it's week one? <laughs> it is week one. Did you know that Ryan Tannehill used to be a wide receiver in college? <laughs> Trope alert. Edelman was a quarterback. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean I think there's only so much I can really go- like gush about the, the Seahawks. Uh, um of course I think you start to take it with a pinch of salt because that Falcons uh, the defensive backfield wasn't wasn't great, so perhaps it does flatter Russell a little bit. But they've got good weapons on the outside: Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Greg Olson's getting involved too. I mean, they can only beat what's put in front of them, and it's a great start. Yeah, I would just say I would be more confident in the Seahawks being a really good team through the whole season than I would in the Packers being a really good team through the whole yeah. season. That's my way of looking at it. Um, because of the way it works for the Packers, they mm, end up with more wins than the Seahawks. Probably, because it's a hell of a division they're in right now. We'll get on to a few more of those shortly. Uh, the Joe Burrow era got off to a good start until it didn't. So JB ran in a 19-yard score early on in the game, uh, but was not exactly fantastic throughout. He did orchestrate a drive in the final minutes and had AJ Green come down with a fantastic game winner with seconds to go, but it was called an offensive pass interference. And but you could see why it would be, but also it was a little bit shaky. Still, the referees called it as they saw it, uh, so they had to settle for the game tying field goal. But Randy Bullock pushed the kick wide right by a long way and came up limping. Ouch! The Chargers D. Uh, looked pretty solid even without Derwin James, but that offense looks a problem for them, though. For the Chargers? Yeah. Yes, well, it's like playing Tyrod Taylor isn't a good idea. Mm. Well, Tyrod, he's, he's okay, I guess. You know what? They, they, they weren't <laughs> using Austin Eckler enough, and uh, yeah, it just didn't look like they had enough, enough punch. Um, I still like that offensive line they've got there. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I, if I was a Chargers fan, which I'm most certainly not, <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't be holding out too much hope for for that offense through the course of the season. But perhaps they just need to, to you know, get off, get moving, find out what their niche is, use Eckler properly, get the ball out to Keenan Allen more. Just didn't happen in this one. 
Um, I thought that Joe Burrow's um, his rushing touchdown was really impressive. He he did have um, you know the kind of poise that you'd expect from him, mm. and he did lead that drive at the end, which was really impressive. But you know, welcome to the NFL. Yeah, he like he did what he usually does, which was put his team in a position to win. Uh, in this case, he's doing so with a, a team that's far less talented by comparison than his previous team. Um, just in the competitive, yeah, com- yeah. competitive. Sorry, yes, it's more like it. Um, but uh, he still found a way to get them into a position where they could do something, and they just didn't. So, for all intents and purposes, Burrow did his job at the end there, but it just didn't work out for him. No, and we will see going forward. Like they're playing tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's gonna be an interesting one, Darren. Yeah, worried now. What's your? I'm usually, so happy when we play the Bengals. Uh huh. Like Forty fifteen or whatever. You, but are you are you starting to think that maybe this is a Bengals team that might be a threat? Um, on a game to game basis, I don't think they're. But anyone considers them to be a threat for the for the division cha- championship. I but, think that if. Stefanski gets to play the way he wants to play, which is quite clear of his recruitment, that um, they shouldn't be able to touch the Browns in terms of the running game and the time of possession. And mm-hmm. that. But Burrow makes a couple of long throws and they go up, you know, 13 3 or mm-hmm. you know, 17 7 or something, then it's going to be hard for the Browns, I think, at any point this season. But yeah. do the Bengals have enough? Like, are we looking at a team that's probably going to score around about 15 points a game? Uh, I, I think that they were going up against a pretty good Chargers defense. Um, like I say, even though they didn't have Derwin James in this one, they still handled the Bengals pretty well for the most part. Uh, AJ Green came back and looked pretty good for the Bengals, but the Chargers still managed to handle him pretty well. Up front, the Chargers were, were really good as well. Um, so I would say that the, the Bengals will still they will start scoring points I can see them actually being like potentially even a mid-tier uh, offense this season but I think a lot of that will depend on just how the offensive line develops because if they can give Joe Burrow some time they have some weapons out there like like I said before so like Tyler Boyd, AJ Green the, the, the options are out there um, so it's just a matter of giving them the time to get to them yeah, I, I do find it interesting when teams that haven't... Because obviously that's the way the NFL works. Like mm-hmm. Unless something weird happens, the best quarterback or the best player doesn't go to the best team. And mm-hmm. You look at people say like the Burrow intangibles are like watching Brady and then it's like, well, Brady played for the Pats. <laughs> like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like... Can Joe Burrow really do anything, even if he is this poised? Like, are the Bengals, they really have to make some really good moves and some good draft capital mm. and do some stuff if they're going to support him because they've been really bad. They have stunk the house out for a number of seasons now. Pretty much since we started this podcast. I don't think they've, oh, had, definitely. they've had one good game. Oh, like they, they were there and thereabouts in some games last season, so it's maybe selling them a little bit short, but they're bad. They're bad. Anyway, this was the first time that Joe Burrow has lost a game since November 2018, 
where the, the LSU Tigers were beaten by Texas A&M 74-72 in the seventh overtime quarter of that game. Wow. Go back and watch that one if you have eight hours to spare. I think it's about five hours. It's about four and a half hours. Oh. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, anyway, moving on. So we've got three more to go. That's been an hour. So this whole rapid fire thing hasn't been nearly as rapid fire as I thought it, it would be, Darren. Because this. we just can't help talking about the game that we love. I hope the format's been okay, but we'll see how we go. We might have to really rip it through the the news. And there's going to be no time for yarns, Darren. We are doing the yarns as it is. Yes, we are. It's maybe not too bad a balance. Anyway, are Arizona for real? Are the Niners struggling with key injuries? Is Jimmy G already regressing? A lot of questions came out of this one as the Arizona Cardinals beat the San Francisco 49ers 24-20. So, yep, like I say, a lot of questions. Kyler Murray looked really good. Yeah. 91 rushing yards. Uh, on about 17 attempts, I think it was, and he was only touched lightly once during the whole course of those, showing that he was really protecting himself. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, as we mentioned previously, 14 receptions, 151 yards. And on the San Francisco side of things, aside from the big Raheem Mostert play from Jimmy G, Jimmy G did not look all that great at all. He was comfortable. No, he looked really off. And maybe he has looked off for a little while, you know? But he also left George Kittle out to dry in a pretty terrible pass that resulted in a rather concerning injury. And that's not the last of their worries either, because um, after this game, uh, Richard Sherman was put on injured reserve. So he's going to miss at least three games this season with a calf injury. And that was uh, the area I was already suspicious of uh, their cornerback depth. Losing Losing him, you've lost a whole bunch of wide receivers. Uh, George Kittle's ailing as well. Jimmy G is not playing nearly as well as uh, we thought he might. Do you panic if you're San Francisco? I don't think so. Didn't they just sign Mohamed Sanu? They did. That was on the news. Spoilers, Darren. I'll skip over that one. So yeah, they did just sign Mohamed Sanu. Still, Mohamed Sanu is not Julio Jones. No. I I, I do find it interesting with the 49 because you look at their team, Like if, if Kittle wasn't there, yeah, Kittle's the best. You know, um, blocking and bundling tight end in the league. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, Kelsey's the best scoring tight end, but then that comes down to quarterback. Yeah. But without Kittle, they're still going to have Kendrick Bourne and Jordan Reed on the outside. Mm-hmm. So they have depth at least to get through games, but it's going to come down. You can't, Garoppolo can't be running around in circles like no. he was. He needs to be decisive and just get rid of the ball. If he's take the take the force that you know the force down. Don't get hit like he was getting mm. hit. He was just taking too many sacks, and putting his team in too much of a situation where like instead of it being third and eight, it's like third and fifteen, and he just he wasn't quite there, and he doesn't need to be all the way. You know, he yeah. doesn't need to be there for a lot of this system. But when you're going against a team that were incredibly explosive like mm. the cardinals are just impressive across the board um you look at the way their their depth chart on their perceptions like even like andy isabella didn't even get a catch looking at you know that doesn't surprise me <laughs> it's like hopkins fitzgerald you know dan arnold <laughs> okay they just he's even getting on the board there 
But so they did a lot with not much, you know? Like, they, they got their points quite efficiently, Cardinals, and and I think they were able to kind of churn it down a bit, which is kind of what the 49ers want to do. So, just, just looking at that sort of the way that that receiving chart lines up for the Cardinals, it's almost as if they're becoming the Texans now because they've got DeAndre Hopkins and they can afford to do that. Well, at least they've got Larry Fitzgerald there to get the ones over the middle. Yeah, who who is still spectacular. And I think that there was a moment in this game where uh, there was a, a a catch, but it happened inbounds. Larry Fitz ran over, got the ball, and got it spotted at like, the middle of the field so they had time to clock the ball with two seconds left. Like That's just smart, veteran, savvy, uh, which essentially got them points. Um, yeah, I think that was at the very end of the second quarter. Um, yeah, I, is Kyle Shanahan going to have to take a look at this and say, like, adjust the way that she schemes things up at the moment because it just it didn't look didn't look right today. But I mean, like I say, they were missing so many players. Is it missing the players that's the problem? Is it the system that's the problem? The system isn't the problem. Not to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but. Um... Mm-hmm. I don't know. They relied too much on Mostert. I I like Mostert, but is he, is he someone you want to be relying on? Mm. The the way they stretch the field, I think, would normally work against most teams. It just didn't work in this game. They they couldn't keep up with Hopkins, and that meant that they had to throw the ball a bit more than they probably wanted to. And Garoppolo kept getting caught, so they kept ended up being in even more of a hole than they intended to be when they were throwing the ball. And it just, they're not designed that way. Mm. And they don't have a Wilson or a Mahomes or a Rogers to get them, or even a Breeze to get them out of that hole. Mm. So NFC is going to be tough this year for the 49ers if they yeah. don't, don't get some of these players back and mm. get get a bit more, yeah, a bit more creative maybe. It's they yeah. just didn't seem to do very much. Mm-hmm. Way too early hot take for you. Jimmy G's holding the 49ers back and they should move on from him. Yeah. Thoughts? Go back to the East Mississippi guy. <laughs> yeah. Hodges or something? No. No, um, uh, uh, no, it's... Talk about other stuff, Darren. He had a good first game and Brett Favre spoke to him on the TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, he spoke to him on the TV. Ah, that, that's annoying. It is, of course, Nick Mullins. I knew it was Nick. Yeah. No, 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 no. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. Oh, he was pretty sweet. You'll see Beth there as well. Like, Mullins was a, a, was good when he was playing. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, Jimmy G, he's got some work to do to convince me, like, now. And I, I think I was all aboard him, actually, playing well this season but after seeing that like i thought that he essentially just had one or two parts of his game he needed to fix and it looks like he's regressed in the other parts of the game unfortunately so if you are the 49ers and you've had such a good kind of couple of drafts you know you get nick bosa Mm -hmm. you um you know you trade for buckner yep do you you trade away buckner and get a couple of really good picks this year do you look at next year's draft and go Maybe we can just trade around and pick up fields at number eight or something. Mm-hmm. 
Because this is what you want. That's what I'm saying. Like, most good quarterbacks go to... So, if you say you've got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance, mm-hmm. they're going to be the top quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Not every team needs a quarterback. So, how far up do they have to go to get that quarterback? Could they get to, It'll like, number on... 8 or 7 or 10 It'll and get a quarterback? entirely depend on how the seasons go for everyone else around them, I think, is the, the key yeah. point there. But I would be looking at that if they... Because mm. they don't have any cap space. Yeah, they they have cap space now because of the way they've set up their team. So if they can move from Garoppolo to a really good rookie, mm-hmm. then that's another like couple of years of being able to just completely just ride it, put whatever you want on the defense. Yeah. Uh. Yep. True. Right now we've got to keep moving because uh, we've got two more games to get through and we're already nearly at uh, an hour and a quarter. So uh, the blockbuster game of the week was TB12 in TB up against DB in NO. So that is Tom Brady for Tampa Bay and Drew Brees with New Orleans. Brady was probably actually the better QB throughout this game, but the offense just didn't seem quite ready for it. There was It just wasn't quite working. There was lots of little problems here and there. And Drew Brees is really starting to show uh, that he's struggling to throw at the outside, which makes me rather concerned uh, for the sake of that franchise. And maybe we might even see a quarterback change in New Orleans before many may think. Also, Michael Thomas has a, a upper ankle injury and maybe out a few weeks, which is also very, very big. I did see that, yeah. Um... So I had the joys of listening to like two podcasts before I saw the highlights of this game. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't think Brady was that bad, to be honest. No. I think they couldn't establish the run. Mm-hmm. And even though the stats say you don't have to, but mm, yeah. you kind of do. You know, Tom Brady's well, not Jones was okay. But... but they just they kept getting... It's a really good defense they were playing. Mm. Like, they just weren't getting like you know the free four yards so they could do play action and open it up a bit yeah. more. And I thought the first interception was definitely a miscommunication something went wrong there i think yeah he expected evans to run a vertical and high point it and he ended up cutting in yeah on like a sluggo and it went over straight to the linebacker so there was clearly a miscommunication and then every quarterback gets done by those you know when the cornerback breaks their route and jumps the screen mm-hmm. that happens to everyone so i wasn't actually that worried about Brady too much but there's definitely it's going to take time for them to come together mm-hmm. but they are in a division where you know they get to play the Panthers a couple of times they might be able to mm-hmm. against that defense you might be able to like scheme some stuff up and, and get yourself moving I think for the Bucks it's going to totally depend on their next few games and how hard the teams they're playing are because that was a really hard team to play first. Oh yeah, yeah, it's tough. And you know, um, Lattimore looked good. Uh, Jordan was good. Alvin Kamara looked strong. Yeah, he like, did. His runs, like he didn't run like that at all last season. Yeah, he, he was. He had a bunch of niggling injuries last season, but he did look very good. He was like running up, with his shoulders up, like running, mm. like as fast as he could, rather than like kind of trying to can dive it's like maybe he's like now he's had that surgery and he's had the yeah the rehab he knows he can take the hits so he's just running as fast as he can into the line it's, it was impressive both his touchdowns are really really good and he kind of got got the new orleans saints out of trouble a little bit i think 
Yeah, I think so. He had a, a good bit of shake and bake on him as well as the power. Um, to, to your point, the, the Buccaneers have the Panthers, Broncos, Chargers, Bears, Packers, Raiders over the next little while. So they, they will have a few more easier games than, than this. Well, actually, pretty much any game should be easier than going up against the Saints because they do have probably the best uh, overall team in the league. But um, it, like uh, the Saints, although they scored 34 points in this one, final score was 34-23, um, I, 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 like I say, I did still feel a bit concerned about the Saints and where they actually like looked like they were going. Breeze had a couple of throws downfield, but it wasn't just wasn't convincing enough and th- there was certainly some points I think it was a there was an out route to Traquan Smith at some point in the second quarter that just seemed to take an eternity to get there which is just something that you do not expect to usually see from from Drew Brees yeah it's definitely a case when you've got um, a player like that and then you are looking for mm-hmm. someone on the sideline like Jameson Jameson had LASIK surgery now like what happens with Sean Payton, if he's watching, going, Jameis is looking really good. Mm-hmm. Like, what if Jameis looks really good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I can't quite concentrate. My drunk girlfriend's just walked in. Sharp trying to do a professional sound podcast over here. Um, yes, Darren, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, I think that. Jameis is somewhere you're definitely going to have to, to look at because he's he can throw the ball to those those places and perhaps the, the LASIK surgery will be a big change for him. Megan, please stop. <laughs> Agreed? No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> this is all part of it. People love this. Oh. <laughs> football! Yeah, football, Megan, that's right. But Megan, what did you think of the game that we watched the other day? Of the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos. The problem with the Titans is they always try to walk in them. <laughs> nice. Fantastic uh, bit, of, uh, <laughs> bit of analysis there. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one as well, man. They always try to walk in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My analysis. Yes, your analysis was fantastic, baby. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, Megan's appearance did just cost us $10,000. Uh, so, <laughs> hope you all enjoyed that. Let us know if it was worth it in the comments. Um, okay, go away now. <laughs> we'll see soon. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think I, we'll we'll look at these guys later on whether or not we think that they are good value for this or not. Um, like I still think that even with Drew Brees having a having a noodle arm, they, they can still beat people. But if people start to figure out that Brees is limited, you might see defenses key on that more, and then they might have their hands forced into a change. Yes. Mm-hmm. So after that rather disruptive uh, interlude there, um, we, need, we need to wrap this up. And so let's do it with the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Rams. So the Rams came out 20 points to 17 in this one. Dallas might be feeling pretty hard done by after falling foul to an offensive pass interference on Michael Gallup versus Jalen Ramsey in the fourth. Um, which, I know like they, they were tangling, but Ramsey really kind of sold it with a bit of a lean back. Um so it was pretty difficult because that would have brought them deep into LA territory with about a minute to go. 
Um, the Rams, for their part, looked really solid and methodical in offense, never really making Jar Jared Goff work too hard uh, with what was in front of him. Um, the Dallas offense looks like it may have some work to do to get on the same page, apart from Zeke Elliott, who was on it as ever. Yeah, it's um, still the, the same for the Cowboys, really. I, you kind of hope that they'd um, be a bit more impressive with mm. the new coaching, but still Kellen Moore. Like, stop me if you've heard this one before. You know, people are excited about a, a Dallas Cowboys offense, which is loaded up with weaponry, and then come like a certain part, it just doesn't seem to work for them. L last year, they were hot out the gate, sure, but uh, then they just kind of seem to not do what was expected of them. And then in the past, it was happening all the time, and they'd always end up 8-8. Eight eight. Um. On offense, they have all these options, all these weapons. The offensive line has maybe regressed a little bit, and it didn't help that uh, you had Aaron Donald going up against uh, whoever that was they brought in as an undrafted free agent right tackle uh, to replace uh, was it Cam, Cam Irving, who was there previously. Um, it started off bad and stayed kind of bad, really. But what do you expect? He's going up against the likes of Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers. Yeah, and when you're playing against a defense like that and playing against that kind of talent, you need to have a good start. And they I felt so bad for him. They really didn't get off to a good start. Like, you know, um, I think the first first drive they gave up a touchdown, and it was like the Cowboys, and um, it was like with no real kind of the Rams kind of hot, you know, hot knife through butter. They were to just get it done. Straight off, first three minutes, seven 0 up. Yeah, it's not a great start, you know. And then that that offense is already behind, mm -hmm. already thinking about, oh no, not again. And then you got to go in Stonald. So, ouch. I think people are under underestimating the Rams this year, just because you know they've got they didn't have the best year last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and if they have cup fit, it's the kind of yeah. thing that they have like four players that if one of them gets injured, they have nothing behind them. Yeah. Um, Receiving core looks nice though, because uh, like, Robert Woods was uh, stellar, especially to start the game. Van Jefferson had a, had a really hot catch too, and Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup, so it's it's not bad there. Tyler Higby was also all right at tight end. Like this is a, a functional offense, and they've moved on from having uh, Todd Gurley be like the the focus that they had to put the ball through, due to their contract and everything. Effectively, uh, Michael Brown. Looked really good. Daryl Henderson was used in spells. Cam Akers was also used, but you know not particularly effectively. But they've they've got an offense. They've got they've got a core there. And on defense, they they still have Aaron Donald. You've still got Jalen Ramsey on the outside, who was very good but not great. Um, yeah, it's a serviceable team that's going to cause team cause people problems. Yeah, the Rams definitely were lent a. Uh... A hand by the Texans taking Cooks. Mm, didn't think so. No one had to take Cooks from the Rams. Like the Rams had so much money tied up in Cooks. You know, it's like they were struggling for cap space, and they weren't going to be able to make the moves they wanted to make. And then the Texans, like, okay, cool, we'll take Cooks off here for a second round pick or whatever it is. And then suddenly the Rams have some cap space to go out and sign a couple of extra players. Mm. And, you know, the other teams in the NFC, the teams in the so NFC West must be like, thanks, Texans. Cheers for that. Yeah, you know? we appreciate that. Thank you, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, thanks for all Still your work. Forever playing chess. Yeah. 
But um, well, we're all playing checkers. Had to finish it up. Speaking of finishing it up, yeah, we should probably do that because we've been going on for very long. Um, I mean, we've we've kind of touched on every bit of news that we had, though. So we don't need to talk about that. The the one thing I probably should mention is that the uh, Hall of Fame nominees list for this year has been revealed. Uh, some first year eligibles for you: quarterback Peyton Manning. I don't know who he is. Shut up. Uh, wide receivers Calvin Johnson, Wes Welker, and Roddy White. Okay. Yeah, like those. That's all very good players there. For me, Calvin Johnson should definitely go in. Roddy White has kind of been forgotten about because he was with Atlanta, but he was crazy when he was around. Tight end Heath Miller for Pittsburgh. The mark of consistency throughout his career. Probably not flash enough to get in. I wouldn't think. Uh, running back Stephen Jackson. So he played with likes of the Rams and Falcons. Really solid, great fantasy running back at a time as well. Uh, offensive lineman Shaw Ferguson and Logan Mankins. Defensive backs Peanut Tillman, Charles Tillman, uh, and Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson's surely got to go in as well. Uh, defensive lineman Jared Allen, Justin Tuck, Kevin Williams, and Gerard Mayo. So yeah, for my pick there, Manning, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, and Charles Woodson have to go in for me. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Tuck as well. Yeah, I do like me some Justin Tuck, but I, I don't think he's, he's a not big first, enough, flash enough name. Ballot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Calvin Johnson has to go in. Um, I think it's also for the 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 NFL to kind of look internally and look at players' health and players' mm-hmm. mental health and, and what they put themselves through. To give Megatron a first ballot when he made the difficult decision to be like, I've I've done what I can do. Um, yeah. Or I can't play anymore. Would be. I just don't want to play yeah, to try. Yeah. <laughs> would be would be really good because then it shows that they are you know looking at what the that's not going. If a player wants to retire at year ten, year eleven, they should be allowed to and not be affect affect their Hall of Fame status. I, I could see this maybe being one of these ones. That if he doesn't get in, it's purely because he retired early. Um, but, I mean, he. When he was playing, he was top two, top three at his position every single year. Uh, he's just so dominant. One of my favorite players uh, that I've I've ever had the had the pleasure of watching on film. And annoyingly, I went to see him play in London, and he was injured. To I saw him on the sideline, but uh, his team won, so that was something. Uh, Atlanta Falcons blew a lead, surprisingly enough. Um, but. Yeah, Charles Woodson, he was a fantastic defensive back for his entire career. Just never seemed to slow down, moved between cornerback to safety. And Peyton Manning, everyone knows what my thoughts on Peyton Manning are, in my opinion. Uh, one of, if not the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty, pretty good. And you know what else has been pretty, pretty, pretty good, Darren? Having me back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Um, having football back? Yeah, it, it is certainly <laughs> very good having football back. Uh, but yes, it is good to have you back, Darren. Good to have this podcast rolling on again. Uh, the format, let us know what you guys thought. We did end up dragging on a bit longer again. Uh, typical. We just can't keep it down when there's just so much to talk about. We'll figure things out for next time. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that. Any final thoughts, Darren? No, I didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> 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 all, right, all right, then. <laughs> Great to have you back, man. We'll catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. Yeah.